0: Hey, my name is Philip Craig. I'm the pastor here at Aria Church. Thanks so much for joining us. I hope this podcast empowers you. Hope it fuels your faith and hope it impacts your life. Enjoy the message. For a few years now, but it's, we're not in survival mode anymore. We're going into second gear. Uh, and I want to talk to you about that this morning. I just want to hang around, you know, every week is about the cross, but I really want to look at the story. I felt like one week's definitely not enough. Uh, as I just read, as Jesus approached and came into Jerusalem, and then, then he, on the Friday He died, and, and then on the Sunday He rose. There's so much to learn about what resurrection life, because that's really what we're in right now. If you're a Christian and you believe in Christ, you're in resurrection mode. The dead has gone. The new has come. You're a newborn, as we say. It's a brand new life. And, and so um, there's some amazing things I believe we can learn. I want to talk about some of those today. Um, and so I want to read a scripture first in Luke 24, and, and we're going to pick up here at, on, at the very start in verse 1. It says, very early on Sunday morning, the woman went to the tomb taking the spices they had prepared, and the reason they'd done that is probably the same way we would bring flowers to a, a grave site It's just respect, honor. And they were going back there, and they found that the stone had been rolled away from the entrance. And so they went, but they didn't find the body of the Lord Jesus. As they stood there puzzled, anyone ever been puzzled in your faith journey? Confused, what is God doing here? This is weird. This is not what I expected. Two men suddenly appeared to them clothed in dazzling robes. The women were terrified. Everyone ever been scared or scared? Scared. They are terrified, bowed with their faces to the ground. Then the men asked, why are you looking among the dead for someone who is alive? He isn't here. He is risen from the dead. Let's pray. God, I just ask you for help. Holy Spirit, come now. Speak into each and everyone's situation the way you do in a thousand different ways with the same message. I pray your word will go forth into our hearts. In Jesus' name, amen. So the message I want to speak about is called Do Not or Don't Rush Off. Turn to your neighbor and say, don't rush off. Don't rush off turn to your your second favorite and say, you shouldn't rush off either. (laughs) Hey, if there's some Liverpool supporters, I know there's, oh, someone's ears just perked up. Someone's head just went down. Tim. Time to hide. But I was a junior, and honestly, I don't really support one team. Just whoever's winning, that's my team and uh, not a glory hunter, but I just support the winner, and I was, I was at university with my friends, and we all love football, we, played, we didn't have a TV, we had a football, we used to play a little game called Megsies in the living room, where you're trying to put it through your opponent's leg, and it was just, yeah, it was good fun, that's how we done it, but anyhow, there was a, there was a game on, we actually found a TV, and I think it was the computer or whatever, and the um, Champions League final. Liverpool got the Champions League final in 2005, correct, Carl? You remember this well, this is on your bedroom wall. Uh, when, when, when Suzanne's away, obviously, you've got the poster up, and then you take it down for her coming back. But, but this game was just a write-off, to be quite honest, 3-0 down, getting hammered, and I didn't really care too much, but I wanted a bit of excitement, because, you know, you kind of know the team, know a few of the players, uh, and this went downhill fast, and I'm like, I'm done, it's over. Peace, like stuff Liverpool trying to support you a little bit and you've just got absolutely destroyed in the Champions League final. It's an embarrassment. I'm way home. Or I just left the room, stopped, stopped watching, went out and done something. And then all of a sudden, Facebook happens. Everyone's commenting, everyone's putting posts up. Best day ever, you know, whatever's red, everything's red red or dead, da-da-da, uh, and, and putting all these pictures up, people running around the living room going wild, and I'm like, what have I missed? It's as if a situation that, that was the worst ever became the best ever, and what had happened was in six minutes, Liverpool came back, big Stevie G, they came back to three all and then won on penalties. Six minutes it took to turn the game around. And I feel like that's a little bit like what happened with Jesus at the tomb. Jesus was actually telling them, "Hey, this is what's going to happen," but shh, didn't hear that. That's a bit weird. The temple will be rebuilt in three days. Weird. What are you talking about? I don't even understand. This is weird. The way you're speaking and, and, and like predicting the future. And then these women arrive on the scene, and the tomb has the tomb is open, and the stone has rolled and and it's mad. And so the first thing I want to say is that Jesus exceeds our expectation. When we're on a faith journey, often the reason a lot of us don't want to get on a faith journey, we, 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 we acknowledge Christ, we acknowledge faith, we acknowledge uh, walking with God, but we don't often do it because it's a little bit scary. It's like... I've got to enter into this in faith to really expect that God might do something because it looks impossible right now. Three nil down in the tomb. Everything we gave up our livelihood to follow our our carpentry jobs, our our fishing jobs, our businesses we let it down to follow this man, and he's in a tomb, and he's dead. I think most of us would, like I exited the house and the room would leave. It's over. But if we had actually listened and remembered what Jesus said, we would have stayed. Wouldn't have rushed off as as much. And as these women obviously were just honoring Jesus and his life, the rest had gone. And so Jesus exceeds our expectation. Sin also exceeds our expectation. It takes us further than we want to go. It costs us more than we want to pay. And so Jesus does the opposite only with life. The problem is there's a gap called faith. It's, it's, and, and just like that game of football, it wasn't until near the end that the comeback happened. It was just like, have you ever experienced that where it's like, oh my word, I think this is not looking good. I'm so close, but I'm also so weary and so feared and so anxious. And then just at the last moment, something shifts, something happens and a door opens. And I feel like that's often the way faith works. Often we're allowed to come to the end of ourselves. It's as if we hit our ceiling, we're banging the roof trying to get through to the next level while God's building some steps and we just can't see any further. But but when we start to realize through faith that our ceiling is God's floor, then we realize we are not the God is the builder. God is the designer. God is the author of life. He's our life source, and so He guides the way. And that's why the most natural way for us to live is what we call spirit-led. We look at the principles, we look at the ways of God, and we walk in those, but, but God opens doors. God drops dreams in our heads, in our hearts. That's how the churches went forward for 2,000 years. I was at a conference yesterday, and they were speaking about, uh, you know, they're prophesying and speaking life over church plants, Because the best thing a community can have for a life source is a local church. And if we can empower people and activate people and get people in in unity, then all of a sudden, this life that God has intended us to live, even morality improves. Even um, looking after the poor improves. All of these things begin to be activated. People are no longer just living for themselves, by themselves. It's bigger than us. The dream that God should give you is bigger than you. It should be bigger than you. If it's not, it probably may not be God. You know, when I, when I um, all through lockdown, when we had to, to work on uh, video, <laughs> one of the worst things, the most humbling things for me was to watch myself talk I'd never done it before, to be quite honest. I've never filmed myself and just kind of watched myself. And even sometimes we just hate ourselves talking like, what are you talking about? (laughs) Even the way you talk, oh, it's off. It was very humbling, but the only way for me to grow was to go through that pain barrier and take the honest feedback, because what, would, what I would naturally want to do is when I would see myself, hear myself, is to, to shut it down, turn that thing off, Ugh. shame would grow, I would just feel weird, but, but my, my solution my, for me to move forward with my life in my skill and my art, I had to go through that the same with anxiety, the same with fear, the same with all of those things that we face, all of those tombs that we live in by hitting stop, by leaving the rooms. We rush off and therefore don't overcome and don't get better. And and we certainly can't see God do great things in our life because we rush off. We shut the door on discomfort. We shut the door on shame. We shut the door on anxiety. Instead of, uh, there was an area in my life that I got super anxious, and it just came upon me, and there's probably a few different life situations and circumstances that contributed to that, because we go through seasons, yes? And sometimes things hit us like a brick wall, and that's okay, but how, how do we deal with that? My, my first instance was to just, you know, forgive and forget, or, or just shut it down, or, or just roll the stone across that tomb, that's dead, that's gone, I'm over, it's over. I don't want to think about it, but unfortunately I'd done that in my earlier years as a teenager in some relationships and it haunted me for 15 years because the, road, the stone didn't move. The stone, st- it stayed over the tomb. The tomb was still there. I was still in it in that area of my life. And this is what I believe, that Jesus and the resurrection, did you know that the word, our name, R8, means resurrection life. The number eight is the day that Jesus rose on the Sunday. It's the eighth day of the week. It's the start of the next week. It's a new season. So as we came here after a hard season that I'd been through, my, my, my natural instinct, my, my, natural, uh, my natural decision would have been to run off, to close the tomb, peace out church life, peace out Trying to do this stuff for God faith and faith and, and and I'm out. It hurt. I'm three 0 down. It's over. It didn't work, God. What What are you at? People dropped the ball and we lost. My honestly, it was awkward as we began to resurrect, as we began to gather again and start afresh. It was awkward. I didn't feel that excited, if I'm honest. Has anyone ever felt excited going to a counsellor? Or going back to training after a loss. Or or having to speak to your wife after you messed up. I've never felt excited about that. Ever. I'm not sure I ever will. Because you know what's happening. There's a process. And there's a tomb door being opened. And it's awkward. And it's a bit weird. And it's not normal. But it's so right. And it's so God's way. And it's what resurrection life looks like. And it, it's, it's what coming to life looks like. Because some of us, were sitting with hard shells and hard tombs and, and hard rocks around our heart in areas of our life. And it's time to go back and not to rush off. It's time to revisit the wound. It's time to revisit the way you process that or just block it out. And if you don't, you will die. And that area will experience death and you'll never see life again. Until you revisit until you approach that te- the tenderness of your heart, until you go back to that place where you were broken and bruised, and don't allow the, the, the brokenness and the bruises dic- to, to, to dictate. I'm getting choked up already. He's trying to hold me back. The devil's trying to hold me back. I'm speaking life. And so that's why I, I'm so, I think it's so important as a church, as a body, as a people, as sinners who experience sin, our identity as sons and daughters, but we experience sin still, and people look at us the wrong way, and I'm not sure they like me, and why are they not inviting me to the party, and why, what, what's going on, that's life. How do we process those things? And one thing the devil uses to, to bring people off track is he keeps the door closed, and he encourages, to, encourage, encourages us, I can nearly talk today, he encourages us to do so, to keep the stone rolled over the door instead of away. And in the church, it looks like offense. Some people got it wrong, and they probably did. But cursing the darkness doesn't make it lighter. The light of Christ cannot come into the situation if you just keep talking about how bad they were. And that's what I had to do in my situation to get resurrected. I said, Phil, what can you do better? The Holy Spirit convicted me. You They've done what they've done, and that's that. They'll stand before God for what, what happened. What are you going to do? Just kind of keep looking at the tomb and looking at all the different, explain all the different shapes and the type of rock it is and, and the kind of cloth that you're wrapped in and, in the tomb. Is that you're just going to use your energy for that? Or are you going to actually get back on your feet? You're going to speak the life of God, the life of the Spirit back into your bones? Yeah? So don't be surprised if God's plan terrifies you at times. They were terrified. The angel was there explaining like, like this, what happened. Why are you looking for the, the living among the dead? Some of us were, were looking for the living among the dead. You're trying to find life without God. You're trying to find purpose in maybe some spaces and some places without God. Because the last time you tried to do it God's way, you got wounded. You got hurt. It wasn't perfect. Well, Jesus died for our sin, and that's not heaven. He was dealing with earth, trying to bring heaven, but at first he had to deal with sin. It wasn't perfect. It wasn't the Garden of Eden. That had been messed up. He was there to restore, and restoration looks like going through sin facing wounds, facing pain, facing issues that we have and others have and, and what we experience in this life. They were terrified. See, a, de- a dead thing might be for you a relationship. And, and this is why I'm careful. Sometimes you can just say, right, I'm just going to write that relationship off. But often the tension of that is sometimes relationships just need to be worked out. They just need to be watered. You know what God's attracted to? And I'm realizing this more and more. I've heard it in theory, but in practice, it's a whole different ballgame. God is so attracted to humility. He's so attracted to humility. I actually made a mistake. Can you believe that? A few weeks back with my wife. I love just great examples, you know. When you get, if you ever get married, there's loads of examples. Iron sharpens iron, all that kind of stuff. And thank you, Pet, for giving me great examples. Um, And yeah, I made a mistake and said something I shouldn't have said because I felt hurt. And obviously, Anna didn't know she had said something that hurt me, but it somehow went through all my brain activity, and, and I decided I'm offended and responded without thinking bad thing to do. Anyhow, the problem is now I've got to make up for that. How am I going to get over this? Because this emotional pain is even worse now. I've just created a monster by, by saying something that I shouldn't have, and now I have to mend this somehow. What do I do? And quite honestly, you know, people give you advice. You know, I've heard pe- some men saying, you better buy her flowers. You know, what have you done? If I see, it was a, Killian in our group said, if I see a man with flowers, I'm always wondering what's he done? <laughs> so, so, at Valentine's Day, I took a picture of Killian and me and Tesco. It was like, What do you think, mate? Do you think I've done something wrong? <laughs> so, anyhow, so I bought my, my wife flowers for, because, um, not because Killian discouraged me, but um, because I just thought, right, uh, something she appreciates and that will be good investment um, for the future, sow and reap and all that good stuff. But then a few weeks later, I had to buy more flowers. I'm like, This is cost. I'm going to start growing flowers. Because this is costing a fortune. Good 10, 15 pound pot. Pu- I couldn't get the cheap ones, because that's not gonna help cover the sin. You know, we're gonna need there's a bigger debt here. Um, and so honestly, I was kind of driving home and I'm like, oh my I've created a lot of crazy way to say that, why to I react that way? It's stupid, Phil. why'd you do that? Oh, just shut, keep your mouth shut. But anyhow, how do I fix this? And honestly, I said I'm gonna pray because there's a, there's bitterness in my heart still, because I feel wounded too while also making a mistake and and creating a great debt. And so I prayed, and honestly, I felt, I just felt, you could say it's the Holy Spirit, something reminding me that I need to get flowers. But I just got flowers two weeks ago. So anyhow, I submitted to that. And there's times in the past that I didn't submit to that holy thought or to that recovery thought or to that restoration thought. I just said, nah, I'll just talk it out. It's cheaper. (laughs) And it didn't work and it cost me days of pain. So I says, you know what? I'm just going to submit to this and give it a go. As much as it's inconvenient to stop the shop here, on the way home, I'm going to buy pizzas, I'm going to buy flowers. I'm going for this. I want a quick recovery. And, and yeah, it wasn't completely smooth, but, but after a while, Anna says, yeah, I, you probably saved yourself a few days. And I'm like, yes. So what I'm saying is the Holy Spirit... Is real and the Holy Spirit connects to the most humble part of us. And when we're humble, the Bible says God will lift us up. And, and when we're prideful, we fall. And we invite on more pain and suffering. And so I really think this is this is so important when we talk about tombs and we talk about running from our pain, running from our wounds. It's the worst thing we can do. It's the worst thing. If we want the stone rolled, it's going to look like humility. It's going to look like even feeling terrified and confronting the issue. It's going to look like going to council, It's going to look like having an awkward conversation. We even talk about, we take this verse out of context all the time, where two or more gathered there, he is in the midst. Uh, we use that for all sorts, but actually it's talking about conflict. The, the context of that is Conflict. The context is going to the tomb and rolling the stone. The context is reconciliation. The context is humility. The context, it's not like you can't pray. Like, God's always there if you pray to him by yourself. It's not two or more gathered. It's talking about how are we going to conquer evil? How are we going to keep the church unified? How are we going to keep the family together? That's that's, that's like if me and Anna have a problem, let's invite someone else into the picture because we can't figure it out ourselves. Why? Because we're committed to raising dead things to life. Because we're committed enough to submit ourselves onto other people's viewpoint in humility. Because we want to see it work. Some As couples, as singles, whatever scenario you find yourself in, God's way is always humility, and God's way is always resurrection, and God's way is never a hardened heart, and God's way is never a tomb that stays stuck. God's way is always a tomb that is empty. God's way is always forgiveness. God's way is always life. God's way is always promised if you fulfill it His way, surrender His way. Humble ourselves to the Holy Spirit, the holy part of you that is released when you get rid of your guilt and your shame through the cross of Christ. It's there, it's available. But shame causes us to run out of the garden as they did in the Garden of Eden. To give up on the fight. It causes us to leave the game when you're 3-0 down. It causes you to put your head down with heaviness but the, the message of the gospel is a message of lightness. It's a me- message of lifting. It's a message that, that, well, that causes you to fulfill your race with flying colors, not p- with perfection, with failures. You feel your way forward. You know, we talk about those beautiful verses. We go from glory to glory. You know what that really looks like? It looks like from death to death. May he become greater as we become smaller, that doesn't mean we diminish our value. It means we diminish the pride, the part of us that destroys us, that, that, that clocks up all kinds of debt. It's a beautiful picture of the tomb. It goes on in Luke 8 to 12. It says this, Then they remembered what he had said. Eyes opened. And he listened to the Holy Spirit more, Phil. So they rushed back from the tomb to tell his 11 disciples and everyone else what had happened. It was Mary Magdalene, Joanna, Mary, the mother of James, and several other women who told the apostles what had happened. First preachers of the gospel. Women. Oh. Come on, woman. But the story sounded like nonsense. To the men, so they didn't believe. However, Peter jumped up and ran to the tomb to look. Stooping, he, he peered in and saw the empty linen wrappings. Then he went home again wondering what on earth happened. What is going on? It wasn't, this is not normal. This is abnormal. See, faith stories aren't supposed to be normal. It's not normal that people would leave their security and their job to go plant a church, to go minister to people. It's not normal that people would come to church on a Sunday to worship a God they can't really see. It's not normal that people would tithe. I remember I was, I was on a building site when I was 19, and the guys, you know, you know if you've been to a building site, the guys are just real honest. You get slagged bad. and I could, I could hold my own, so it was okay. I enjoyed it. But they're like, these churches used to give like a tithe, this tithe thing, money. I was like, yeah, what? I could be spending that, and it. it's not normal. It's mad. It's crazy. But God blesses it, and God uses it, and God builds with it. It's not normal. I remember Jude um, was a pretty good hockey player, and, and it's great. Sports amazing. I love sport. I'm a PE teacher by trade. And and she had they were having Ulster trials on a Sunday. And mom was like, Oh man, what did I do? Am I being too you know rigid with this? Am I being too legalistic? She prayed about it and said, Jude, you're not allowed to go. Why? It was normal to go. Culture would say go, the current said go, opportunity would say go, but mom said no. And dad. <laughs> Why? She felt that she wanted to protect what was most important, her relationship with God, her destiny with God, her purpose with God. I don't, I don't know if Jude would be up here leading worship for the last 10, 15 years if that decision hadn't have been yes. Let's just go with culture. Let's just go with normal. Listen, God doesn't want normal. Faith is not normal. But faith is alive, and faith is a promise, and f- faith is, is people uh, fulfilling destiny. F- faith isn't just coming to church, just like coming to the pew and, 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 and just leaving, just going, just doing this Jesus thing, just, just going through the motions, just attending, just surface, just ticking boxes. That's not what Jesus signed up for. That's not what raises people out of tombs. That's not what brings dead things back to life. That's not the kind of faith that recovers you from some of the worst emotional and relational pain that you can experience. That's not the kind of faith that releases people from toxic cycles of sin and iniquity. That's not the faith that brings dead things to life and shakes bones in deserts. That's not the faith. This is a faith that literally shapes people, it changes people, it saves people eternity, it points them to the cross, it gets rid of your shame and your guilt. It goes the extra mile, listen, we need a church that comes alive and is connected to the vine that is in Christ, a spirit of God that changes us from the inside out. It's not, it's not just a gentle lamb. It's a lion that roars. It's alive. Come on, we're coming into a new season, church. I'm not content with just normal. I'm not content with just going through emotions. I'm not content with just fighting off feelings of selfishness. There's more in us. There's people in here who are going to plant a church. There's people in here who are going to. I'm believing for everyone in here to find their gift and start to walk in it. You know. You know. Our goal is as a church is is to be big and to be small, to empower males and females, to empower the young and the old. And. I... As far as gathering in big groups and small groups, I honestly believe most of the gifts that God wants to activate in his church aren't in big church, it's in small church. It's in our groups, in our our two or three gathered. It's in our our daily lives, in, in the hallway. That's why if someone comes to me all about, you know, some of the spiritual gifts, but they'll only do it on the stage, I'm like, you haven't got it. You've got it wrong. I wanna hear about what God's doing in your life in the hallway, on the street, then I'll know you're doing it for the right reason. Then I'll know it's real. Then I'll know it's authentic because we've got to protect our heart. Faith stories aren't supposed to be normal. They go against the grain and the current of culture. Goes on to say in, in verse 44, 49, then he said, when I was with you before, I told you everything. Written about me in the law of Moses and the prophets, this is Jesus speaking, in the Psalms must be fulfilled. Then he opened their minds to understand the scriptures and he said, yes, it is written a long time ago that the Messiah would suffer and die and rise from the dead on the third day. It was also written that the message would be proclaimed in the authority of his name to all nations beginning in Jerusalem. There's forgiveness of sins for all who repent. A humble heart. You're you're witnesses of all these things and now I will send the Holy Spirit just as the Father promised. But stay here in the city until the Holy Spirit comes and fills you with power from heaven. See, Jesus always pointed to the foundation of the word. His word is an anchor. It's not based on emotions. It's not based on feelings. It's just based on facts. And so that's really important. That's why we're trying to get our church you guys into the Word, to know the Word, to see the Word, to feel the Word, to see how Jesus responded to Pharisees and legalistic behavior. We need to be in the Word. And I I, I, I kind of find this a little bit funny. He says, suddenly their eyes were opened, they recognized Him, and at that moment He disappeared. Have you ever seen a parent dropping off their kids to like mothers and toddlers or or school and they're like at the start it's, it's obviously awkward sometimes and the kids like, attachment you know they, they're attached to their parents that's the first time and they're like oh my word what, what do we do here and they try to get them on a toy and then they're like if I can just get to this door <laughs> I'm out and they're on their own what, what's going on there is they want the kid to learn and it's awkward. They want the kid to come out of the tomb of unhealthy connection and, and broaden their horizon to see life more expansively and bigger than they see it right now. To develop socially, emotionally, all those, relationally. But how, how often, it, this is what Jesus done, is as if he says, hey, I'm going to give you the clue and I'm going to leave. You see, the teacher is often silent during the test. My teachers would teach me and then they would give me an exam and say, nothing. Hey, hey, give me a clue. Nothing. Some of us are going through seasons and it feels like God's saying nothing. Maybe God's given us an opportunity to look inwardly. Is there some things I can work? There's some, I know the ways of God, so I've got a reflection of how God does things. Am I living those way, ways? Maybe it's a time for us to reflect are new. The teacher's silent. My parents have gone. Who's here? Who's, who's God put in front of me in the playground of life? What can I put my hand to to help and develop? What, what art can I grow in? How can I move forward? The teacher's often silent, but wait goes on to say, and now I will send the Holy Spirit just as my Father promised, but stay here in the city until the Holy Spirit comes. Just as I had to get those flowers, I wouldn't have got the flowers if I didn't listen for that holy initiation process, that holy motivation, that holy direction, that 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 pure, purified thought. If I hadn't have considered and prayed, I wouldn't have done that. But I what's this, when it says about waiting, some of us have a picture on the sofa waiting, watching something. Oh, just waiting on you, Lord. No, no, it's not that at all. It's like waiting when you go into a restaurant and someone's waiting for you. The table is prepared. The forks are nicely and neatly ready. The menu is set. The cook has got the, the cooker on. We're waiting on the Holy Spirit. God, I'm ready, I'm active, I'm moving. I'm just going to do what I do know right now until you you give me the green light to do something else. I'm just going to be faithful in the season I am in right now. And and whatever's in my hand, I'm just going to do that as I wait on you, Father, as I wait for maybe a spouse, a relationship. God, I'm just going to wait and and be patient. I'm going to wait and be pure. I'm going to wait and serve your house. I'm going to actually sow into others and other relationships and other friends as I wait because, you, you know, it's, it's a good thing to sow where you want to go. That's the way of the kingdom. Give, and then it will be given onto you, shaken together, pressed down. It's the way of the kingdom, not to live just for self, self and selfishly. It's actually to give out of generosity. Amen? Let's go ahead and stand. God is so attracted to a humble heart. God raises dead situations when we surrender to him. Don't rush off. Don't run from the tomb. Just yet, that dead situation, that dead part of your life, that hardened heart, it's time to revisit It's time to go bring some some spices, some flowers. It's time to honor the situation and bring God's name into it. Bring the name of Jesus into it. Allow Him to give you a new perspective. Put on new faith goggles and watch what God does. Amen. Hope you enjoyed the podcast today. I hope it encouraged you. There's a few things I'd love you to do. I'd love you to subscribe to our YouTube, iTunes, or Spotify account. This is so you can keep up with our most recent material and messages. If this ministry has impacted your life and you'd love to help us reach others, you can do that right now by going to ariachurch.org and giving now. Cannot wait to see you next week on the Ariat Church podcast.